Good morning, City Church. This is City Church Together for Tuesday, April 27th. Hope you're well this morning. Today we are going to be again in the book of Luke. We're going to finish up Luke chapter 22 as we highlight, explain, apply, and respond to what God has for us in our daily Bible reading today. So I'll read the scripture and then we'll get right to work. Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 63. The men who were holding Jesus started mocking and beating him. And after blindfolding him, they kept asking, prophesy, who was it that hit you? And they were saying many other blasphemous things to him. When daylight came, the elders of the people, both the chief priest and the scribes, convened and brought him before their Sanhedrin. They said, if you are the Messiah, tell us. But he said to them, if I do tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. They all asked, Are you then the Son of God? And he said to them, You say that I am. Why do we need any more testimony, they said, since we've heard it ourselves from his mouth. And that is the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 22. Today, what I want to highlight in this passage of Scripture is some of the character of Jesus. Anytime we're reading Scripture and we're reading about Jesus, um, what Scripture reveals about Jesus or about God, who Jesus is God, Trinitarian, the Son, um, we can take note of it because there is something good about what God reveals in his character. So think about um, sort of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments read only for uh, face value as in here are 10 things to do and not to do. Here are 10 commands. Misses the real in or, or let's say the deeper intent of the 10 commandments, which is to reveal to Israel the sort of God that Yahweh is, a God who is making a covenant with them. Uh, if you read the first of that of Exodus 20, you'll find that is God refers to him refers to them as his people, the God who led his people out. And then he gives the Ten Commandments, and that is not a non sequitur as a, here I am, now here are Ten Commandments, Ten Things for You to Do. Um, it is a revelation of his character inside of a covenant. Here is the kind of person that I will be, that I am, and the kind of person that you will be to me. Okay, so all that is just to set up a kind of hermeneutic or understanding of a way um, that we can read scripture and should read scripture as a revelation of who God is. Um, and there are um, there are multiple ways to do that. For example, what we just read today, we can read in the flow of the narrative um, as to, okay, where is this going and what is this setting Jesus up to do in the bigger mission of Luke? We can also read it in the context of we are watching a conversation between Jesus and his accusers. And so how does he respond? That is the angle today that I that I want to highlight and take with this passage. So first, let's look at the passage so that we can explain it. Um, I hope clearly that this is um, this is coming at the end or this is coming in the middle sort of of Jesus's trial. Jesus has um, up to this point been arrested. And they uh, have been looking, uh, the, the chief priests and the elders and the scribes have been looking for ways to kill Jesus. 
And so here is Jesus on trial. And what happens to him first in the section that we read uh, in verse uh, 63 through 65 is you find people uh, mocking and beating Jesus. And in a, a, again, in a kind of scoffing or mocking way, they want him to be the prophet that he and others complain to be. And so they notice how they reduce that down to um, a, a sort of uh, Nostradamus guessing game. Prophesy, which one of us hit you? You close your eyes, we'll hit you, and if you're a real prophet, you can tell which one of us hit you, okay? Um, and again, it reports are saying many other blasphemous things to him. So we have, we have people who are mocking um, who Jesus uh, has said he is and who others say Jesus say he is, which remember, that is a big theme in the Gospels is who is Jesus and who do other people say Jesus is? Remember that question to Peter, uh, to his disciples. Um, who do others say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Okay, so car- carry on. Uh, verse 66, when daylight came, um, then, so now we are we are through the night trial, and now we are uh, approaching, what you'll get into in chapter 23, is he's being brought to Pilate. So this is all before they bring him to Pilate. They're just sort of looking for Jesus to trip up. So this is all a trap. These are all, um, in a very real sense, Jesus' enemies. They are all out to kill him. They, uh, they, what they want is to get something from Jesus' mouth, from Jesus' lips, that will be evident when they take him to Pilate that this guy has got to be killed, okay? So um, they, uh, they are sort of baiting him. If you're the Messiah, tell us. Why don't you just tell us? Um, Jesus' answer, now this is what I want to pay attention to. Jesus' answer, he says, if I do tell you, you won't believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. They follow up with, a, with another question. Are you then the Son of God? They're just, they're just trying to get him to say this. Why do we need any more testimony? Uh, and then he says, you say that I am. And from that, they decide to take him on to Pilate for a trial. Okay, so what is Jesus's character? What is Jesus's character in this? As we try to see that and then apply it, okay? Jesus's character here is notice that um, Jesus, in many ways, could have um, had the last word. Jesus could have proved he was right. Uh, Jesus could have laid down the case piece by piece. Jesus could have walked all of his accusers um, all the way through all of the ways that he fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy, um, much like, much like he did at the when you'll get into Luke twenty-four, he's going to do it on the road to Emmaus with two guys who don't recognize him, who mistake Jesus. Of course, you know they think Jesus is dead and gone, and Jesus then walks them through the scriptures to show that he is the Messiah, and indeed they believe. So here it is: Why does Jesus not? do that here? Why does Jesus say to all his, um, all, all of those uh, who mock him, why doesn't he just put them in their place? Um, he has, of course, a rock-solid argument, could take them to all of the Old Testament scriptures that indeed uh, would fortify his claim, um, could walk him through his life. He, like, he could stand up in front of him. He could kind of do what Paul did, you know, later in his letters, which is say, um, okay, here's all the things that I've done that prove, you know, Paul was using this in a different way, but Jesus could have given his resume 
um, you know, Paul used it to say, hey, I did all of these great things that you think are so great, but I'm here to tell you I'm a sinner and I'm the chief of sinners. Um, none of this matters, okay? Uh, Jesus here doesn't, doesn't even do that. Jesus, of course, because Jesus is not the chief of sinners, but Jesus doesn't even laud his righteousness that's really there. He doesn't drag that all in front of him. And his reasoning is it's not going to matter. You're not going to believe it. And if I, if I do this sort of turnabout where I ask you a question like Jesus has done in the past, says it doesn't matter, you won't answer. You are intent to do with me what you want to do with me. So he proclaims scripture to them. Son of man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So this is a throwback to Daniel. So he just, he's, he, he in one way says what is without giving them the exact answer they're looking for. In other words, I am the son of man. What you're going to do to me, I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to repent. So I will simply proclaim what is. The son of man sit at the right hand of the power of God. And then they, they ask him, are you the son of God? And he says, you say that I am. Okay, now this is, um, without getting into it here, this is, this is an affirmation of Jesus' godhood from Jesus himself. Um, the, the, the scribes and Pharisees take it this way. Jesus intends it to be this way by the flow that we find in Scripture. Um, so anytime you hear someone say, Jesus never claimed to be God, um, you know, with, with some technicalities there, uh, that could be perceived as true, but reading the overwhelming sense of the New Testament, Jesus' claim you know, to, to be the temple and that he's going to rise up. There's just too much there that is just like this and not a direct answer, but you say that I am. Okay, so what do we take from that in Jesus' character? One is the discerning nature. Now, that Jesus has of his enemies. Okay, um, there, are, is some, uh, there is some theological banter back and forth about whether uh, how much Jesus is Jesus limited himself. Jesus, of course, never ceased to be the Son of God in all of his humanness. Uh, this goes back way into church history, um, the argument about this. But um, w- one thing I can tell you for sure that's pretty agreed upon is all through Luke, the presence of the Holy Spirit is very strong. The Spirit is strong with this one. You know, like the Holy Spirit is everywhere, and it's everywhere related to Jesus. Um, in other words, Jesus, you might say, is utilizing the Holy Spirit. So it, Jesus is not, um, think about Jesus at his birth. It's not like Jesus knew how to do calculus as soon as he was born and had to pretend to be a baby. Jesus, uh, the book of Hebrews says, grew in his obedience. So uh, what, the point that I'm making is Jesus had a reliance on the Holy Spirit, okay? So Jesus, I would say, from his reliance on the Holy Spirit is discerning here what his it's not it's not like this sort of download necessarily from God the Father. It is, uh, and if it is, it is only through Jesus's um, yielding to the Holy Spirit to teach him and and help him to see. But Jesus, I think, uses the Holy Spirit to discern or listens to the Holy Spirit to discern about his enemies and what they really want and whether or not this is um, this is uh, I can't remember the proverb, but you know, there's a there's back to back proverbs. One says. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you end up just liking. The other one says, answer a fool according to his folly, and you might change his ways. Okay, so those verses don't contradict. It is a matter of wisdom. It is a matter of discerning the situation. Here, Jesus does not give his resume. Why? Because he discerns that the people who have come against him are not interested in turning or changing. 
He also knows his mission and is very clear about his mission. He knows how this is going to end up because he knows to what he, he, he has been called. In other words, Jesus knows this is not a time to get myself off the hook. Jesus is literally getting on the hook for all of us. And so Jesus doesn't try to have the last word. He doesn't try to prove himself to his critics and his enemies. Um, instead, he is rather silent about it. He does tell them what their error is. You're not going to repent. And he does give them the truth of Scripture. The Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. But past that, a discerning that his enemies are, are, are um, against him and not interested in changing their mind, past that, he is silent. And you will find this again some with Pilate and the conversations he has with Pilate. Um, this is different from what you'll encounter in Luke 24, where he finds these two guys, Cleopas and his friend, on the road to Emmaus, and he actually engages them. Why? Because he discerns from their posture towards him, from their disappointment about his death, that they actually might listen to if, if he were to lay out, this is who I am, and this is where, where all you see all that in Scripture. And indeed, those guys do, and they celebrate with them. Okay, so how do we apply this? Well, I think the very simple application of this is in, in Jesus' calling for us to follow his example is for us to listen to the Holy Spirit and be discerning about um, our critics, our enemies, the people that are disappointed in us. Um, I know how it can feel because I have felt it many times. You, especially in social media, because we're, we're not a very confrontational face-to-face culture, but we very much are online. And I know how it can feel to read someone's post, vehemently disagree with it, and in your mind, you've already got the script for how to put them in their place. Um, for reasons other than are in this passage, um, I would think twice about that. But if we just go off of Jesus' character at the very least, use discernment. Use discernment to know how to speak to a person. Is this, is this really going to change someone's mind? Is What's my obligation here? You know, Jesus sort of boils his obligation down here to, listen, to, to say, listen, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to tell you what is true in, in, in terms of here, here is the scripture that I'm living in and I'm believing um, and I'm also, I'll also even mention your hard-heartedness. I'll mention why you keep asking me these questions, but I won't respond to them um, because I don't think it's good for this conversation, um, which you can get that online too. You know, you're not responding enough to me. Or I've asked you these questions and say, I, I just, I don't discern that it's the right thing to do here. I don't discern that it would change your mind. Um, I discern that it, uh, this is a trap and I'm just not interested in falling into that today um you say well didn't jesus fall in the trap well no there's jesus this was planned from the beginning of time um jesus knew his mission and where he was going and knew how this all worked into that um, because he had listened to his father so all said is let's practice the discipline of not having the last word oftentimes our struggle to have the last word um to you know really you know, really put the person or our enemy in their place uh, to drop the mic, as it were. Often that impulse is not really about correcting a brother or sister. Um, Often that impulse comes from moving ourselves to the middle. Um, It just feels good to have the last word. Feels good to dominate, doesn't it? (laughs) It is a very different thing to cross bear. 
it's a very different thing to get uh, as John, as Jesus says in John 10, uh, to give his life up freely. Um, it just, it feels good to have the last word because when you have the last word, you are the one with the nail and the hammer, right? Hanging your enemies on a cross. Jesus here by, by having the discipline of not exercising the discipline of not having the last word, Jesus knows he'll get the last word. Jesus knows his righteousness will shine like the noonday sun. Jesus knows he will resurrect. Jesus knows all his enemies will be put under his feet. But he discerns and understands now is not the time for that. Now is time for cross-bearing. Now is time for telling the truth, but not throwing pearls before swine. Um, And I think that is a beautiful part of Jesus' character. And I think that's one that the Holy Spirit will, can, and is doing in us as we pay attention and listen to him. Um, Very difficult skill, discipline to master not having the last word. I am certainly um, (laughs) still under construction in that area for sure. Um, And I know that I could probably learn from many of you. So um, let's today be silent. And pray for the Holy Spirit to work in us in developing that character of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I cannot imagine what it's like to be completely and utterly righteous, to have your critics never be right about you, and then to receive that criticism knowing there's nothing that you can do to stop it or change it. There's nothing to say that will cause your enemies to repent or recant there's no reasoning with them even though you know you have the truth and could deliver it and put them in their place and have the power to do so Jesus you didn't you didn't you chose cross bearing over nailing others to a cross we as a church as your people we want that discernment we want to know when to back away when to say, you say that I am. Um, and then, Father, when to explain. And we, we need the discernment about how people, when people are ready to receive. We need the discernment about whether we should answer a fool according to his folly um, or whether we should not. By your Holy Spirit, teach us to do that so that we look like Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus went to the cross for us that Jesus endured lies about himself without correcting, at least to the full, that Jesus had the patience to wait for his resurrection. Jesus had the patience to wait for the Father to make his enemies a footstool. He had the patience to wait on his Father. May we have the patience to wait on our Father and wait for your righteousness to shine through us like the noonday sun in its appropriate time. May we not bring it too early. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. City Church, it's a difficult one today, but let's go live it out. Go and multiply the gospel.